this, why new church work? Why do we need to worry about new churches? This church this year turns 162 years old. First Christian Church of Clinton became a church before Abraham Lincoln became president, just to give you some perspective. So does new church work matter? And and one of the disappointments that I've had in my life as a minister, uh, in in every church I've been a part of in my adult life, is there's been a a decent number of people that have really been kind of Debbie Downer when it came to new church work. And they've never really had a, a good attitude about what is going on in places like New England, the least churched region of our country. Or in places like Northeast India, where the Kuki Christian Mission, through church planning, has taken a country that's less than 5% Christian, and in their state, their province, it's 30% Christian. Or in places like New Zealand. Many people called New Zealand a post-Christian country, and yet the Flammers and many others have went there, and they've rolled up their sleeves, and they've, they've told the story of Jesus. And some people have said, does it matter? People have asked questions like, don't we have enough churches already? People have said, do we really need new churches or should we just take the bad churches and make them better churches? Um, I have a good friend who who applied to a good church in northern Indiana. And and he said, I really want to be your preacher. And they looked at his resume and they said, your resume looks good and a Bible college degree, seminary degree. But they said, we see on here that the last 10 years you've been involved in new church work. And our church, we just really don't have a good opinion of new church work. We just don't really have a good opinion of people that have been involved in church planning. It makes you want to go, what? It reminds me of this picture right here. Look at this picture right here. This is Melissa Williamson, who I don't know, by the way. If you do, tell her she made it to the sermon this Sunday. But it says, Melissa Williamson, 35, a Bullet Avenue resident, worries about the effect on her unborn child from the sound of jackhammers in the area. She's worried that jackhammers will have an adverse effect on her unborn child. Can you tell me what she's doing as that picture is taken? She's smoking a cigarette. Now, that's not an anti-smoking thing, although it probably should be, but the point is this. You look at that picture and you go, what? Jackhammers? What? It makes you just kind of scratch your head. And that's where I'm at when people attack new church work. I want to let you know right now, some of you may not appreciate where I'm coming from with this message. I I wasn't all smiles during first service, because I'm going to talk about why we should not just tolerate new church work, but man, we should be excited about new church work. And then I'm going to tell you what a church that's 162 years old can do as it relates to new church work. And I'm going to do it very quickly. So let's dive into God's Word, Matthew chapter 28. Listen to the Word of the Lord. These are Jesus' parting words to His disciples according to Matthew. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's the Great Commission. If you've been in the church for any amount of time at all, you've heard the Great Commission. Jesus' parting words according to Matthew. Now, Dr. Luke gives us a different perspective uh, in light of Jesus before his ascension. Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 1, here's what Luke tells us he had to say to his disciples. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, where they were, in Judea and Samaria, the surrounding area, and to the ends of the earth. And so that's Jesus 
and kind of his attitude about telling the story of his ministry and new church work. So two parts this morning. Why you should be excited about new church work, why First Christian Church should be involved in new church work, and part two is what do we do now that we're a 162-year-old church in light of new church work. Let's dive in. Why should you be excited? Number one, you should be excited because the call of Jesus in Matthew 28 and Acts 1 was to plant new churches. The imperative in Matthew 28 is not go. The imperative, the command is is to make disciples. But Jesus assumes that as you make disciples, you will be going. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's not saying, stay here in Jerusalem for the rest of your lives. And if you know the story of the disciples, what did they do? They literally scattered all throughout the first century world telling the story of Jesus, making disciples. In Acts chapter 1, he gives us the paradigm. Preach Jesus here, preach Jesus around here, and take Jesus all around the world. And his disciples did that, and that's really awesome. See Peter Wagner, maybe the most relevant voice of evangelism in the last 50 years. Here's what he had to say. Planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. That's an expert right there saying new church work matters. Number one, it was Jesus's plan to plant new churches. Number two, Paul's entire philosophy was to plant churches. Paul had a two-fold strategy. Travel to the largest city in a region, preach Jesus, and while you're there, plant new churches. And Paul hung out in those churches. Sometimes he hung out for a couple weeks. Sometimes he hung out for a couple years. But Paul was all about planting new churches. And when you read through the New Testament, you read through the book of Acts, you see that a church was planted in the city of Ephesus. Paul stayed in Ephesus longer than any other place. The church of Ephesus was a difference-making church. Paul went to the city of Philippi, difference-making church. Paul went to the corrupt city of Corinth, and he planted a church there. And it was a beacon of light in the midst of darkness. And the cool thing is, when Paul started on his missionary journeys, Christianity was not a worldwide known religion by any stretch of the imagination. Now, people around Jerusalem had heard about Jesus. People in Galilee certainly had heard about Jesus. But do you realize Paul goes out, he, he plants all these churches, they go on the missionary journeys, he's got Barnabas, he's got Silas, he's got Apollos, he's got others traveling with him. And from 50 AD, when Christianity was just kind of a little, small, little blimp on the map, to 350 AD, when the entire world had become a Christian world. And it's through new church work that the story of Jesus began to spread. Number three, new churches best reach new generations and new residents. Um, I, I hear this all the time at our church. And hear me say this, especially if you're new around here. I love our church. I love that you go to our church. I hope you keep coming to our church. But one of the challenges with long-time existing churches is what I would call a sense of entitlement. I get sick to my stomach when people will come up to me, and this has happened at least three times in my ministry time here, and people will say, I came to your church, and I sat down getting ready to worship, and then someone came up and tapped me on the shoulder, and they asked me if I would move because that's my pew. That's where I sit. And we kind of chuckle at that, and that makes for a humorous sermon illustration, but guess who's not laughing? The new person coming to church. When we've been a part of a church a long time, 
We have the tendency to get fired up about things that really don't matter. And new churches best reach new generations and new residents. If you've been a part of this church your whole life, praise the Lord. But understand, it is a challenge to walk through the doors of a church where you don't know anybody in a community where you know very few people. I'm glad we do coffee time. I mean, I made you shake how many hands today? Seven hands. I mean, that's all nice and everything, but it's tough when you walk into a family community and you're not in the family yet. And new churches tackle that problem. Number four, new churches best reach the unchurched. Are we reaching the unchurched? Absolutely. Have you seen many baptisms this year? Absolutely. And more are being planned. I love meeting with people and telling the story of Jesus. But sometimes being a church that has history, being a church that has, dare I say, tradition, can really get in the way. Two years ago, we changed up Christmas Eve service. And Melanie Cheatham put together a play, and several of us were in it. It's called Christmas Rewind. It told the story of the, Christ, of the Christmas narrative from the, the, the beginning of the prophecy through the birth of Jesus. And it was humorous. I mean, I thought it was humorous. It was fun. It, it was different from what we typically do on Christmas Eve. And, and unfortunately, some of our longtime people, not, not a lot, but some of our longtime people here just really were unhappy. I received the harshest email I've ever received in ministry that night. People were angry. You've stolen my Christmas Eve service, they said. But the really cool thing about it was many more people reached out to me who are new to the church, don't know a lot of the traditions, and one person, female, whose husband doesn't normally come to church with her, shared with me with tears in her eyes. She said, my husband loved it. It was awesome. He laughed. I can't tell you the last time I saw him laugh. And he said to me on the way out, if church was like that all the time, I'd be there every Sunday. And see, new churches don't have to worry about someone getting upset because the organ didn't play on Christmas Eve or because something didn't go like I want it to go. I know that's a harsh illustration. I know some of you don't appreciate that at all. Write me an email. Write me a note. Get it all out. Let it all out. But that's a reality and a blessing for new churches. Number five, new churches challenge existing churches to self-examination. One of the best things that can happen uh, to communities where existing churches are stagnant or complacent is to have a new church come to town because you start to assess, are we mission-driven? Are we doing things that are reaching people for Jesus? Or have we fallen into the trap of the same old, same old? Number six, new church work is an exercise in kingdom mindedness. How big's your worldview? How broad's your worldview? Many Christians, man, their worldview is not very big. It's 61727. It's Clinton and DeWitt County, maybe central Illinois. We're good with anything going on around here, but you know, missions, do we really need to spend that much money? New church, do we really need to go down that road? We've got a teeny weeny little kingdom perspective. And new churches it's an exercise in kingdom-mindedness. Now, that was kind of negative, wasn't it? Honestly, you can shake your head. I know, it kind of was negative. You know, I got a couple things off my, uh, off my shoulders. I, I, I realize that. I want to end really positive. Part two is this. What should we do? We're 162 years old. Do we just give up? Do, do we close the doors, sell the building to the highest bidder, and, and start a new church? Not at all. 
God has put us in a position to be difference makers. And there's four things I think we should do. And, and, and I'm just going to give you the words and then I'm going to talk about them. Embrace, encourage, get involved, and encourage. And yes, I know encourage is up there twice. Number one is this. Embrace a kingdom world view. If you came here today and I talked about that 61727 worldview, and you said, you know, maybe that is me. Maybe I'm really not worried about people in Connecticut or Rhode Island or India or New Zealand or Kenya. Maybe my worldview is pretty central Illinois. Can I challenge you to step outside the comfort zone of a 61727 worldview? I'm not saying tear down Clinton and DeWitt County in central Illinois. But understand that God's kingdom is huge. God's kingdom is what we're called to embrace here in Illinois and literally all around the world. I go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the paradigm Jesus threw out. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and literally all around the world. Number two, encourage our monthly mission partners who are involved in new church work. Man, new church work is hard. It is difficult. My family was in Rhode Island two summers ago for one Sunday, got up early, went to church with the church planner, Jerry Dusenberry, and I couldn't believe how much they had to do before church even started. They're setting up cables and sound systems, and some new churches have to set up chairs for people to meet at, and there's the coffee station, and there's this and there's that. I had a nice lathery sweat worked up before 8 o'clock in the morning. No one had even come to church yet, and I'm sweating like a stuck pig. I mean, new church work is challenging and it's tough and so we need to pray for joe and amy flammer and encourage them we need to pray for and encourage carson and jim turney brent folk with stadia one thing that happened two weeks ago was really cool um during our first service um, our preacher who will go unnamed went really long and we weren't even able to hear from joe and amy flammer that morning but afterwards um one of our new members of our church but very new within the last year older gentleman grabbed me and he said preacher um i've got a problem i want to talk to you tomorrow so we came in the next day and he said um the holy spirit really laid on my heart that i need to help that couple that's ministering in new zealand but i ignored it i didn't do anything and the Holy Spirit's just been nagging at me, and, and I just, I need to meet him, and I need to do something. And I said, well, what do you have in mind? He said, I don't know. But they're doing a great work in New Zealand, and I need to encourage them somehow, some way. And, and any one of us could do that. We have a mission bulletin board. If you walk up toward the Family Life Center, you're going to coffee time, and instead of getting all the way up to the Family Life Center, if you turn left, you would run into a wall. So don't run into the wall, but there's a big bulletin board right there. It's the mission partnership bulletin board and karen rice does a great job of giving us updates from jim and aaron turney and carson cheatham and 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 restoration house ministries in in new hampshire and the many ministries that we partner with barbo donahue in kenya um india the kooky christian mission the list goes on and on and on let's encourage our monthly mission partners number three get involved in new church work i love that this morning as i preach this sermon we have a team from our church in new england helping new church planters a a new church it's awesome i would love for that to be an annual tradition where, where every summer we send a team somewhere now we've got a lot of connections right now in new england with jim and with carson and with dan clymer restoration house ministries and andy glass works for them but just to say every year clinton fcc we're involved somehow in new church work and then number four encourage the next generation 
of Christian leaders. There's a really cool thing kind of developing. It's kind of a work in progress right now within our student ministry. And that is that many of our students are getting to the end of their high school career and they're saying, I want to go to Bible college, I want to go to Christian college, and I want to serve God vocationally. And uh, some of them are, are thinking the mission field, some of them are thinking preacher, some of them are thinking youth minister, some of them are saying, I'm going to be a teacher, but I want to plant churches. And we need to encourage that next generation of Christian leaders. I want to give you two names that have kind of declared that. Samuel, who who leads us every week, does a great job leading worship. Man, he shared with me many times, my heart is in new church work. I'd love to see Sam be with us forever. It'd be awesome. But we need to encourage him in that venture. We need to encourage him in that dream. Obviously, God is going to develop whether or not he's supposed to go now or later or how that plays out. But encourage him and say, man, that is a great vision. That is a great desire. We'd love to see God use you in that great way. My daughter, I'm going to talk about her. She doesn't want me to. She's going to Johnson University. She's going to study teacher education. She's going to be an elementary school teacher. But she said she wants to relocate to the New England area and just be an awesome church member. Help plant new churches in Rhode Island and Connecticut and New Hampshire and Massachusetts, the least churched region. In our country, we need to encourage the next generation of Christian leaders and say, you're not going to be in this all by yourself. We're going to pray for you. We're going to support you. We're going to lift you up. Does new church work matter? Should we be excited about new church work? I go back to the words of Jesus, where Jesus said, go and make disciples. Go to Jerusalem where you are. Go to Judea and Samaria, the surrounding areas, and go literally all around the world telling my story. Ready? Get set. Go. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And I thank you for um, just the last three weeks, kind of what's been working through my heart and many of our hearts about the excellent new church work that's going on in places like New Zealand and Rhode Island and Connecticut. And I just thank you that that your kingdom is a lot bigger than Clinton, Illinois. That your kingdom is a lot bigger than Central Illinois. Just help us to to, to never buy that lie. That that who we are and what we're about is really no big deal. It's just kind of a part of our life. It's just a club that we're a part of. Help us to realize that there's no greater cause, no greater call than telling the story of Jesus. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. It is invitation time as it is every Sunday here at our church. And if you have a decision to make this morning for Jesus Christ, of course, we'd love to have you come forward. I'd love to visit with you this morning about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But maybe you need someone to pray with you for whatever reason. I'm up front. I'd love to pray with you. Adam Brucker, our student minister, is in the back. He'd love to pray with you as we stand and Sam and the team leads us in our song of commitment. We are the change the world is waiting for. We've got a love.